Welcome to Beyond the Donation, a podcast powered by DonorDoc. Our goal is to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies to further your fundraising and to teach you how to build your best donor relationships beyond their donation. Now on to the show with your host, Matt Bissigay. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Donation. I am your host, Matt Bitsagai, and joining me today is my friend David Norris from Proofpack. David, how are you today? Good. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on, too. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to have you. So why don't you just take a minute and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you're doing at Proofpack. Sure. So I'm a former digital agency owner uh, that found myself working exclusively for nonprofits uh, through a product that we actually built at my agency. And that ended up, um, you know, ceasing in June of last year. And that's when I started Proof Pact uh, to continue the trend working exclusively, exclusive, uh, sorry, exclusively with nonprofits. And um, it was then that I realized, you know, social proof, storytelling, all these things that um, nonprofits uh, need and essentially do day in and day out, uh, you know, had to have some sort of f- framework behind it. And ProofPact was born as a result of that. Uh, but ProofPact helps nonprofits collect social proof, engage their community, uh, and also leverage that social proof with things like widgets they can put on their website and social features and tools and things of that nature. So you're kind of productizing storytelling in in some way, shape, or form with proof with proof pact. That's a very good way to put it. Yes, that's awesome. Um, so when you were, as you've kind of been, you've worked, you know, with nonprofits for a long time and at your agency, and you've obviously started proof pact. Like, what's a common theme that you've seen, you know, within that nonprofit space? Uh, as it relates to like their ability or lack of ability to communicate their mission or their story in a relatable way to donors? What's something that's like common along those lines? I would say that the common theme is typically that they are themselves trying to produce this messaging and they themselves are trying to create personas and you know, ideal audiences and demographics and things of that nature, whereas they could really be leaning on their community for a lot of not only data points, but a lot of those emotional connections too. And when you say their community, this is going to be the people they serve, their donors, like that whole, all of those people that are related in some way to that organization. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. The the entire ecosystem that is out there either locally or um, afar too. It's not necessarily regional, let's say. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, we live in a world of uh, lots of different channels that people are on and, you know, very short attention spans, it seems like, as it relates to uh, trying to capture people's and hold people's attention. Like, how can a nonprofit that is is typically probably resource constrained when it comes to budgets for a lot of these types of things that we're talking about, how can they best tell their story across these different, you know, media platforms that are out there. You've got, you've got video platforms, you've got spoken platforms, you've got, uh, you know, written things, you've got digital things like th- that is so much. It's like, it's kind of like mind blowing. Mm-hmm. It's so much to have to like keep track of. And like, what's your advice to charities on how they can do a good job of trying to engage with people across those channels in a way that actually grabs attention and holds it in some way, shape or form? Yeah, I would say 
there's a couple things. The, the first thing is more of a format, but I would say to start with only three to four of those channels, you know, pick three to four of your profiles that you're able to keep up with um, either, you know, the solo founder or the team. And um, then what I would suggest doing is, is to, you know, leaning on the community, right? So you can lift up your community and be inclusive of your, of your community. And when you do that, you are essentially generating content, but also content that they're now going to want to share, that they're going to want to um, help to socialize themselves too. I think, I think that's, um, you know, opening that door is, is really powerful. And are there certain, I, I think that's great, actually, you know, the idea of, I always tell people like, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Like if, mm. if, if perfect mm. is being on 15 channels, like good might be three or four. And I think, you know, do those three or four really well compared to trying to do all of them and doing a poor job. So I think that's, right. that's really sound advice for, for people. And that really probably goes uh, outside of just nonprofits, to be honest with you. I think that that's, that's advice that could work across a lot of different spectrums, but um, are there certain platforms that are emerging where, you know, you see uh, good results, you know, I mean, you've got the, th- you've got TikTok, you've got, you know, Instagram reels, you got all these different things. Um, you know, I've heard video performs really well as, as a storytelling medium. Mm-hmm. So like, where are you seeing the the best results for the organizations that you work with and that you consult with? Yeah, I think, I think that, um, the best results, honestly, I think come from placing stories next to or in line uh, with a donation form. Um, you know, there's, and you would know better than I on this one, but there's like studies out there that say like, you shouldn't play a video before a donation form. You know, like there's certain things that you don't want them to consume when they're on the path to, you know, making a donation, let's say. But um, that said, I think that video is definitely a tool and a medium that is uh, sought after by quite a few. And, and it's, it's, it almost feels interactive. You know, you're seeing a face, you're seeing the person. It's that relatability um, personified, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's those sorts of, of, of things. And I I think, you know, in terms of, of trends, um, you know, maybe going platform agnostic here for a second, but trends, I think, um, things like Discord, uh, places where you can bring your community in and announce to many, but yet still ensure that you are receiving um, or, or, or rather providing that one-to-one um, is still really important. Um, so Discord, Mastodon, if we're really getting decentralized, mm-hmm. um, things like that where Mastodon might feel a little bit more niche right now, but uh, nonetheless. And I, and I would assume the nice thing about, you know, some of the stuff we're talking about here is, you know, if if you, let's say you do a good quality storytelling video, just as an example, you can use that across multiple channels without having to do another one. You know, you can use it on TikTok, you can use it on Instagram, even, even in our, you know, in the space that we're working with, there's still a huge, um, part of our customer base that does a lot of things heavily within Facebook. And I think, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so those, the, the, you, 
it's kind of like the build it once, use it across multiple things, which is when you're resource constrained or, or whatever can be a really powerful thing too. So I'm not familiar with Mastodon. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more about what that is? That's not one I've heard of. Yeah. So that is a, it's a truly decentralized, um, social network. And I think, uh, you know, again, built on blockchain technology. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think that more people are adopting it. There was the whole divergence from Twitter and, you know, um, Jack Dorsey, actually the, the founder of, of Twitter, uh, created something called blue sky. So I've seen that. Yep. But, uh, Mastodon kind of came about and it's, it's relatively popular, uh, okay. Potentially, I guess maybe the, the ramp to actually utilizing it is a little bit different than let's say just signing into something that's more of a centralized application, you know, located on a central server, for instance, like mm-hmm. Facebook, where you're just signing up for one thing. Yep. Um, you know, Mastodon would be signing up technically for different networks in okay. and of themselves. Interesting. Um, you know, one of the things that, um, is always hard when you're talking about any kind of marketing, which in this, in, you know, in, in a lot of ways, this nonprofit storytelling is a form of marketing for sure. Absolutely. And one of the hardest things is like attribution, you know, ma- measuring effectiveness of what you're doing. Like, do you have any tips for our listeners on, um, you know, th- things that you might suggest that would help them measure the effectiveness or success of the stories that they're sharing? That's an interesting one. And, and as much as one might not want to rely on, you know, vanity metrics, things like likes, shares, um, reposts, things of that nature. Uh, that's, that's as far as social media is concerned, that is the met, those are the metrics that we have. Um, ultimately I'd say that it comes down to engagement with your organization though. Um, and then how many of those people re-engage, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, those are all good, um, metrics to have there. And, and, and not only that, but another one is just how well your organization is doing, um, out of the gate. And so for instance, one of the things that proof pact offers is, you know, was your experience a positive one or a negative one? And as a result now, for instance, in a timely manner, asking staff for their feedback, um, let's say around like, uh, review periods or, or t- uh, times throughout the year you can get that information from them as to how they see your organization and maybe even do so before they go to something like Glassdoor or Google and then potentially put the organization on blast. And so the reasoning behind that is that the, 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 the nonprofit can now mitigate and hopefully resolve anything that's, that's going wrong that they might not have been aware of. So, you know, all of a sudden you see an uptick in negative staff uh, experiences, there's, you know, you can take action. Well, and I would assume, you know, with, I know one of the things that you do with Proof Pack too is, is what you touched on a little bit ago, which is your, you're coupling those stories right alongside the donation pages. Mm. So I suppose there's also some level of tracking around conversion on, you know, which of those stories help convert to a gift, you know, more than others might. So that could be some, something that might help from a measurement perspective, but attribution and measurement uh, when you're doing, you know, when you're, when you're doing a lot of different things from a marketing perspective, uh, a lot of it, I think to me is just, um, it, it all goes together. So it's hard to attribute, 
you know, one thing as being the thing that's making a difference. Right. If you're doing it well, you know, it's all working together to kind of create that attraction and, and hold that attention. But um, yeah, that's, it's one that we struggle with even just from a, you know, not again, not just something unique to a nonprofit. That's going to be any business that's right. doing uh, any kind of marketing and trying to create, you know, um, generate demand around what they have going on. So yeah, that's, um, that, that's, that's accurate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's shift the conversation a little bit. I know you have a background with some AI stuff too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, that, I mean, obviously that's a big, a <laughs> lot of stuff going on in the, in the markets as it relates to AI. It, you know, I think, uh, I know personally I've been messing around a lot with chat GPT. We've got mm-hmm. some things in donor doc that are using AI to help, you know, generate, email headlines and generate, uh, you know, content and, and even images, those types of things. Um, like how do you see this kind of AI boom changing the game for nonprofits? Do you have any like practice, you know, I feel like it's one of those things. I, I think you and I both commented on a, on the same LinkedIn post yesterday. Um, I think it's one of those things that like if done right can really be, uh, helpful for nonprofits. I think it also has the risk of, being one of those shiny objects, yeah. people don't really know how to actually use it to do anything useful. Um, you know, like what's your take on that? Do you have any thoughts around like how it can help nonprofits in a practical way? Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. So let me give a bit of uh, background there. So in 2017, uh, my agency then called ViaForge wrote our first AI and we used, um, we didn't have access to these large language models like we do now. And so we used, we built our own corpus out of Reddit content, Reddit conversations. And then we, we would put those into TensorFlow and build our, essentially the equivalent of the, the large language model, only it wasn't that large. And, um, you know, that, that didn't really go anywhere. Uh, the ultimate goal was to change the way that people interacted with the web. Um, and so I picked that back up here recently. Um, and in 20, I forget, it was probably 2021 or 2020, I started, um, a company called Bold Crow and that has now, uh, re-emerged and is the, um, the source of, of where I'm doing all the AI work out of. I have a partner there. Um, but like you said, what DonorDoc is doing with the email headlines and, and, you know, things of that nature that's exactly what I think is needed here because um, sending someone to chat GPT and saying, Oh, you should use this is like saying, Oh, well, there's no code, low code solutions out there. You should be using those. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you using those? Well, you still have to know how to, um, you know, structurally format a website yep. and or application and J- chat GPT is no different. Um, it's like, a good example would be people use Canva um, to design things, but not everyone in an organization uses Canva. And right. similarly, ChatGPT can be used to help with productivity or things of that nature, but not everyone in an organization should be expected to use ChatGPT. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, I, I was really drawn to the name Beyond the Donation um, for a very specific reason, and that is we have, with Proofpact, um, Bold Crow is licensing chatbot technology to Proofpact uh, formally. And uh, what we're doing with Proofpact is something called Proofpact Poly that resides 
post donation, uh, and it's geared towards donors. So a lot of times, um, platforms will have like a redirect URL back to, let's say a website or web page. Well, you can pass parameters in that URL that now the chat bot will consume and then converse with that donor to extract things like their story, to give them links to a video, um, format to share their story, but also just get to know that donor in, in more ways than just, for instance, their first name, last name, email address mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So yeah. when a nonprofit utilizes this, the idea is that they're not going to now contact that donor to thank them um, with it feeling like a cold call or a cold email. It's a yeah. little bit warmer. Um, and so that's something that we're, you know, we're, we're working on building right now and uh, it's close to a release, but yet we're still attracting, you know, uh, capturing uh, intent, I guess you could say at this point, to use something like that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think, you know, we talk a lot about, and actually where the name came from for Beyond the Donation is the idea that, like, so much of a nonprofit success happens, you know, beyond, after the donation comes in. It's how mm-hmm. you're, It's how you're building that relationship. It's how you're stewarding that and growing that. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about like understanding your donors and like, what are their preferences? How do they want to be contacted and communicated with? And really, um, asking them is the best way to do that. But sometimes that's hard to do at scale, you know, and it's hard to do in a way that feels, uh, not just like a form that I'm filling out. And so I love the idea of, kind of using that chat bot to be able to maybe gather some information in a more conversational way with someone that, that, that really helps you understand that donor a bit better and tailor the experience that they have from that point going forward. Uh, as you said, without it feeling just like, you know, cold outreach or yeah. something where I'm being communicated across a channel, I really don't want to, you know, really want to engage on that sort of thing. So really interesting use. I, I think for, you know, for for AI to really it's we're in that stage of AI where it's a good analogy around the no code, low code. Like you still, you know, there the tools are there, but you still kind of have to know how to use them in some way, shape, or form. I mean, you I know anybody can sit down with chat GPT and ask it a few questions and have it spit out some information. But I think for it to really be very useful for an organization, there has to be some level of knowledge around it. And I, I think there's an opportunity there for technology providers for sure to be able to um, take that power uh, that's there and simplify it to a point where it's really useful for these small nonprofits or these, you know, any really any nonprofit, but, um, you know, obfuscating away that complexity to them to where uh, it's it becomes simple and useful without needing to have, you know, a data scientist on the team that really understands what's happening uh, behind the scenes or underneath the the hood there, so to speak. So big opportunity there. It sounds like you guys are, are trying to kind of work towards some of that. And I think that's really awesome um, because I do think it has the capability of being very impactful for, uh, well, really for the business world and, and probably in general, but, um, are you, do you ever have any concern? You know, you, you read a lot, you hear a lot about just, uh, how fast it's all moving, um, lack of regulation, you know, those types of things. Mm. I mean, how, do you have concerns about that kind of stuff? You, you've obviously been dealing with some of this for a while. So I, I do. Uh, and you know, just this past week, 
Um, one of the people that was, uh, his company was acquired by Google. Um, I think it was something like 12 years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he just left because he wants to be able to um, speak about the dangers of AI outside of Google without having it reflect on Google negatively. Sure. Uh, similarly, um, not to, not to bring up all these different fears uh, because I, I will close out with some, some good, but um, similarly, the, there's a, um, an app that just militarized. Uh, I think they're backed by Peter Thiel or maybe it is Peter Thiel's company doing this. Um, that is basically militarizing AI where it now like formats battle plans and allows you to suggest what you should use as far as potentially artillery or, or, you know, something of the sort, um, which I think we knew it was coming. Um, yeah. and then there was just recently rules passed that no AI should, uh, you know, launch or, or be able to launch nuclear, uh, weapons or initiate, uh, nuclear devices. Um, and so I think that there's definitely some scary things out there. I think what, what, you know, scares most people, what scares me anyways, is, is the lack of guidelines around, uh, chat GPT, for instance. And that is down to an individual's use. And what I mean by that is when you prompt it without these guidelines, um, or the formula or format within that prompt, you get back something that is p- p- potentially biased, making generalized assumptions. You know, it's just, I I gave an example the other day about building a persona and um, for storytelling, let's say. And and what you'll end up with is a very generalized assumption, uh, likely biased response, unless you prompt for that specifically. And so things like you're doing um, with DonorDoc, you know, you guys have essentially guidelines around this pre-prompt that nobody sees, but they're getting back, you know, the information that you want them to get back that is relevant to them. That is, you know, that has these guidelines and restrictions around it already. So that's, that's where I really see all this going is um, like you said, in the for-profit world and the nonprofit world, it's applications like that because people, not everyone's a prompt engineer getting back to the whole no code, low code. Like not everyone is a, uh, a, a data architect or a, an app, you know, developer, um, yeah. software engineer. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It'll definitely be interesting to see how this continues to change and evolve. You know, it's it, again, it's moving so fast. It's hard to kind of keep up, but it is. Um, hopefully it can be, you know, something that can be leveraged to really create positive impact across the world. And um, I think nonprofits can certainly find ways to benefit from it and, and hopefully, you know, technology providers like us can help kind of bridge that gap for sure. So, all right, I'm going to end with a final question. Um, if, if you were able to give one piece of advice to nonprofits that would help them, you know, better communicate their impact to their, to their community, what is that one piece of advice that they can take from here and say, I think I can do that? It would be, don't be afraid to lean on your community. And to elaborate on that, I think that that means, you know, not being afraid to ask them for things. Obviously we ask them for donations, um, but, you know, ask them for their story, ask them for things other than donations that, you know, 
really make them feel included and be inclusive of your community. That's what will drive things like awareness and really powers marketing initiatives and campaigns. Uh, and the result is, you know, better visibility on social and, you know, digital visibility, I suppose. Perfect. That's great. Great advice. Uh, Dave, tell our listeners where they can find out more about, about Proof Pact and about you. Yeah. So you can learn more about Proof Pact at proofpact.com. Uh, that's P-R-O-O-F-P-A-C-T.com. And, uh, Learn more about Bold Crow and responsibly implementing AI at boldcrow.com. Awesome. Uh, I know you're also active on LinkedIn uh, and and have a lot lot of thought leadership things there. So uh, definitely check out Dave, what he's got going on. He's doing some cool stuff. Um, Dave, I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, hopefully we can have you back on again in the future. I've enjoyed the conversation and uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks. Likewise, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today on Beyond the Donation, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond the Donation podcast. We're grateful you tuned in today. For more information about our guests and to view the show notes, resources, and links from today's show, head over to beyondthedonation.com. Here's to furthering your mission and driving more impact beyond the donation.